0: Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God.
1: Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. I want to especially welcome everyone that is watching online. I was involved in that chat feature a little bit earlier and continue to, to be on that chat. And if you're online, of course, you've got your scripture passage and your outline and everything that you can pull up there in the resources. I want to especially thank everyone that's here in person, though. Because you came out in a driving rainstorm to be in church to worship God today. So thank you all uh, so very much for being here as well. You can tell it's a special day today because I'm wearing a suit. Yeah. And I haven't worn a suit. <laughs> well. One needs no excuse for being proud of their appearance, but, but besides that, uh, it's the first time I've worn one since the pandemic started, and uh, this is in honor of Joshua Miles. So Josh, uh, this suit is all for you, buddy. Don't expect it next week, but uh, uh, this is for you. And I have to say, I now know why I've stopped wearing it. it my, I can't feel like I'm being strangled here with the, with the tie or something like that. Uh, but we started a sermon series last week called Living passionate life. And what we saw is that God created us for a need with passion in our life. And because that need is there, people look at a lot of different ways to find passion. Now, some of them are innocuous. They don't, they don't really matter in the long run. They're just hobbies, stamp collecting, sports. There's nothing wrong with them. But if they become the center of your life, that's where the problem may start. Uh, other times we try to find passion in things that uh, become harmful, drugs, alcohol, pornography, uh, things such as that. But what the scriptures told us last week was that We need a godly passion if we're going to really get through life. And so we're going to look over the next few weeks about what's it mean to have a godly passion. Because everybody becomes passionate about something because you have to just to get through life because God created us to have passion. Something I found out this week I'd never heard of before is something called extreme ironing. Has anyone heard that? Now, whenever I iron a shirt, it's extreme. Uh, I will say that. Uh, but here's some pictures of extreme ironers. Uh, so, you know, they're jumping out of an airplane while ironing. Uh, here, here's another one there. You know, you're, you're out in the middle of the frozen tundra, ironing. Uh, here's another one. You're jet skiing while you're, you're ironing, you know, uh, uh, on the side of a mountain while you're climbing the mountain. You're ironing. And then finally... Uh, under the water uh with the sharks you're ironing okay so that's called extreme ironing uh it's becoming more and more popular throughout the world anybody if you're on the the chat feature right now if you're into extreme ironing we just put that in the chat feature uh uh right now that's there so uh anybody here involved in extreme ironing if you iron at all is it extreme raise your hands Okay, more of you are that one. Okay, all right. So that's something people are doing to find a passion. But what we looked at last week was the foundation of godly passion. And we said that even though your passion is going to look different for each person, we're going to talk about that later. Our foundation for passion is all the same, and it's based on two things. It's over in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. We call it the great commandment, the foundation of godly passion. It involves two things. The first thing it involves is loving God, love God. Uh, it, it says in Matthew twenty-two, thirty-seven: 37, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So godly passion begins with loving God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. You can just hear the passion that's there. It's not, hey, you know, think highly of God or or, uh, every once in a while pray to him, but it's love him with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind, the first and the greatest commandment. So godly passion is based upon loving God. But then Jesus goes on in that same passage, that great commandment, and he says if you really love God, then the next thing he says, is, and the second is just like it, love your neighbor as yourself because what God cares about is people and, and helping people and, and caring for people and encouraging people and so loving God and loving people is what godly passion is all about and that's why we're here today. Joshua Miles has come for ordination and that ordination would have never been taken place in the first place. He would never have been a minister in the first place if he did not feel a call to love God and to love other people. And that's what has brought him here today. I guess one of the basic questions to ask when we get started is, well, what is ordination in the first place? Uh, And ordination means a lot of different things in different denominations. But basically, ordination is just the codifying or the formalizing of someone's call to ministry. It is the church saying, we see these gifts in you. We believe you've been called to ministry. And as a church, we are supporting and formalizing your call into ministry. And that's what we are doing today uh, with Josh. So we're going to be over in Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 through 39. Matthew 1, uh, excuse me, let's try Mark 1. Who would rather do Mark? Yeah, try Mark chapter 1, uh, verses 21 through 39. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 39. So turn over that, and the first thing we see is this. Everyone has a unique call and passion that is based on their individual shape. We all have a unique call and unique passion that's based on their individual shape. Now, as where Scripture begins here, uh, in in verses uh, 21 uh, through 28, uh, Jesus has just started his ministry. He was baptized by John. He's went out into the wilderness where, where Satan tempted him. And he's now started his ministry in a little fishing village on the Sea of Galilee called Capernaum. And Capernaum, it's not a large city, but it's a major town on on, on the Sea of Galilee there. This is where Peter and John and and, uh, and Andrew and all of them, they lived in this area. James, this was their hometown was Capernaum. And so Jesus has made this his home base with his first disciples. He's in the synagogue there at Capernaum, and he's teaching. And while he's teaching, uh, I want to look at what happens uh, in the middle of Jesus' teaching. So look down to verse 23. It says, Just then a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. So Jesus is teaching in the synagogue when there is a man in the synagogue who has gone to attend worship that is possessed by a demon. So I guess the first thing I would say is, have you ever been in church with anybody that you thought was possessed by a demon before? Anybody? Okay, You can put that in that online chat feature if you've ever been to church with someone you thought was possessed by a demon. But there's a man in the synagogue possessed by a demon, and it's interesting what he says. So look down at verse 23 again. He cries out in verse 24. He says, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us, to destroy the demons and and the things of, of Satan? He says, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. So that even though no one else knows that Jesus is the Son of God, even when no one else knows that Jesus is the Messiah, this man possessed by a demon, the demon in him knows that Jesus is the Holy One of God, and he identifies him as that in the synagogue that day. But then what's interesting is what Jesus says. Jesus says, be quiet. Don't say that anymore. Don't talk about it. And then Jesus orders the, the demon to come out of the man. Now, why would Jesus tell someone to stop saying he was the Son of God and the Messiah, the Holy One of God? Because Jesus knew what his purpose was, and he knew what his ministry was. And his purpose was to go to the cross to die for the sins of the world that all of us might be saved. And this coming out now in this way would have distracted from what Jesus was trying to do in the world. And so because he knew his passion and he knew his call, he told the demon to be quiet because he didn't want it to be known. And what we see in that is that Jesus had a unique ministry and a unique call. The foundation was loving God and loving people. I'm going to die for the sins of the world. But the way that Jesus lived out that call was unique and individual to him. And it's going to be that way for every person. The call that God gives you in your life to serve him, the passion that God gives you in your life to serve him is going to be unique and individual to you. It's unique and individual to Josh. Josh's story of uh, of growing up in a very charismatic Pentecostal church, uh, attending a Presbyterian uh, seminary and, and, and uh, on staff at a Presbyterian church, now in a Southern Baptist church, that's a unique ride that Josh has had. And it's given him a unique perspective on the world and ministry and theology because of all of those experiences. But every one of us are unique in the way that God has built us. And because of that, even though our foundations loving God and loving people is the same, your individual call is going to be different. Your individual passion is going to be different. Now, we're not going to get into this a lot today. We're just going to hit it real quick, but it's basically based upon five things. All of us are unique because of our shape, because of our shape. And let's just run through this real quick because we're going to talk about it later in another sermon. First of all, we're unique because we all have different spiritual gifts. My spiritual gift may not be your spiritual gift. Uh, Everybody has different spiritual gifts. And so God has made us unique in the spiritual gifts that he has given each of us. We're unique because of our heart, because of our heart. Each of us has different things that motivate us, that we're excited about, that get us going. So maybe both people have the gift of evangelism, but your passion is children and and your passion is lost people in in, uh, other countries or something like that. But God has given each of you a different passion and a different heart. Third is abilities. We all have different talents and abilities and things we're just good at. And the talents and the abilities and the things that you are good at combined with your heart and spiritual gifts are going to make you unique. The P is personality. We all have different personalities. Some are outgoing, some are are more reserved, uh, uh, some are very optimistic, some pessimistic, but the personality that you have is going to help dictate how your passion is lived out and what God's call is in your life. And finally, your experiences. We all have different experiences that mold us and make us and have caused us to be who we are. And so our shape shows us that each person's call and passion is gonna be totally unique to them. And so I guess what I would say to Josh this morning is to understand that what God is calling you to do and however that may look today or in the future is not going to be something that you can say, well, I look at this person and and I'm going to model myself after them. It's going to be totally unique to you. What God is calling you to do, what God is calling how God is calling you to serve, the way that he has shaped you is going to be unique to you. And you can't just say, I'm going to look at somebody else and copy them or something like that. Your call is going to be unique to you. Jesus' call was unique to him. He was called to save the world, and that's why he told the demons to be quiet. He didn't want that known at that particular time. That brings us to the second thing that we see in our scripture passage. The call and passion that God has given us is clarified and reinforced through time with God. The main way you're going to know how God is giving you the passion and leading you and directing you in the call is when you have a long, quiet time with God. So let's look back to our scripture down to verse 28. So Jesus Cast the demon out of this man in the synagogue. He's thrown to the ground. He reads violently. He shrieks, and then he's of sound mind again. Look at verse 28. News about him spreads quickly over the whole region of Galilee. And so everybody begins to hear about what's going on. Then verse 32, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So what we see here is because of what has happened in the synagogue that day, everybody in town has heard it. And anyone who is sick or or has a a demon possession, if you have a family member that's hurting or in crisis or need, everybody comes to see Jesus at Peter's house. But not only that, we're told pretty soon the whole town gathers. This is the biggest thing that's happened in Capernaum uh, in forever. And so everybody is gathering around trying to see Jesus, trying to hear Jesus, trying to have Jesus heal them. It's a big deal. So how does Jesus react to all of this? Look at verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So, what Jesus does in the midst of all of this storm, in the midst of all of this sudden popularity and fame, is that he gets up very early in the morning while it's still dark. I call that night, okay? Not very early in the morning. But Jesus gets up then, goes off into a place where he can be away from the crowds, away from the people, out of town in a wilderness place, and he prays to God. Now, why does he do that? Because call and passion is always going to be clarified and reinforced through your alone time with God. And so Jesus is now gone saying, okay, Lord, what, you know, what's the next step? Where are you leading? How can I connect with you? Uh, Give me the strength I need to go on. Help me have my priorities set. And that's why it's always so important for us to have those quiet times with God. And if you're not having those quiet times with God, then you're never going to really be able to get the passion that you need because how can you really love God with all your heart, mind, and soul if you're not even spending time with God? Uh, You know, we're going to talk next week a little bit about how do you love God? Well, one of the ways you love God is by spending time with God and spending quality alone time with God, something that we don't do. And Josh, I'll say to you that sometimes the temptation as a minister is that you're you're so involved in Bible studies and sermons and doing things for God that sometimes we substitute that for time with God. And uh, I know even when I was at the seminary, uh, the minister of youth that was at our, our, our church at that time, time, he said to me, he said, I'm the only person on my floor at seminary that goes to church. And I've asked people about it and they say, man, we're in church all week at the seminary. And I said, that's not church. You know, that's, that's education, that's studying. You know, you need to have a time where you're worshiping God because sometimes we substitute doing things for God and Bible studies and education with quality alone time with God, but you can't do that. You have to have that quality time with God if your call and passion is gonna be clarified and reinforced, and Jesus did that. Next thing that we see in our scripture passage is, okay, uh, here you are, God is giving you this call and this passion, it's unique to you, you're clarifying it through your alone time with God, and the third thing I see in our scripture passage is a lot of things are gonna try to distract you and lead you away from your call and passion. And some of them will be good things. It's not that everything that's going to distract you will be a bad, evil thing from Satan, but sometimes it'll be the the difference between excellence and good. And God's going to want you to have the excellence and you're going to choose the good, but there will always be things that will try to distract you and lead you away from God's call and God's passion. Let's see how that happens in our scripture passage. Uh, Keep looking down to... Uh, verse 36. Now, Simon, that's Peter, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everybody's looking for you. And so the disciples wake up the next morning, Jesus isn't there. And they're wondering, well, where is he? What's going on? You know, and not only is he not there, people are starting to show up. As soon as it's breakfast time, people are making a, a beeline to Peter's house. A big crowd is gathering. Jesus is the most famous person in Capernaum right now. Everybody wants to see him. Everybody wants to hear him. Everybody wants him to heal them. Crowds are gathering, and Jesus is gone. He's not even there. And so they go, What in the world's going on? And so they search for him. Peter said, Everywhere. And then they find him way out of town, out in the wilderness, by himself praying. And the disciples are a little miffed. And Peter says to Jesus, what are you doing? Everybody's looking for you. And there's the temptation to distraction for Jesus away from his passion and call. And the temptation and the distraction isn't necessarily something bad here. The temptation and the distraction is... Things are going really well here in Capernaum. You know, this is as good as, as it can get. You know, we can start a, a megachurch. I can become a celebrity pastor. You know, all of this is happening right now, uh, going on, you know. And, and so there's the temptation. I can go back and establish a mini kingdom in Capernaum right now and be famous. And everybody wants to hear me. Everybody wants to see me. Everybody wants to be involved with this. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a megachurch, and there's nothing wrong with being a celebrity pastor. After all, you're watching me on TV right now. Hi, everybody. That's there. Uh, There's nothing wrong with those things if it's your call and passion. But it wasn't Jesus' call and passion. Jesus' call and passion wasn't to establish a church in Capernaum. It wasn't to make a, a huge following in this part of Galilee. His call and passion was to go to the cross to die for the sins of the world that all of us might be saved. And because that call was unique to him, he could not be distracted by even a good thing If you can establish a great ministry with tons of people who can't wait to see you in Capernaum. So that's the distraction. That's what's being pushed on him right now. And there will always be temptations to get distracted and lead you away from the call of God and the passion that God's given you. And so we have to constantly check with ourselves, what is keeping me from really doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And sometimes what you're supposed to be doing is moving on. Uh, Sometimes what you're supposed to be doing is staying. Sometimes what you're supposed to be doing is being more active or more involved. Uh, Maybe God is calling you to a different area or a different place of ministry because what we need to understand is that the ministry that you have today may not be the ministry God is calling you to tomorrow. God's call and passion is gonna change with you and your experiences and your life, and it's gonna constantly be evolving. And if we're not spending that alone quality time with God, we're never gonna really know where God is leading us and what God is trying to reinforce and show us. But Jesus knew his call, he knew his passion, and he wasn't going to be distracted from it. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture. So then what's our job? Our job is to follow your passion and to answer the call. Our job is to follow your passion and to answer your call. So Peter and the other disciples show up to Jesus. They say, what are you doing? Everybody's looking for you. This huge crowd is waiting for you in Capernaum. And look at how Jesus responds in verse 38. Now, now again, let's put this in perspective. What are you doing? Why are you here? Everybody's looking for you. And Jesus says, "Eh, let's go somewhere else. Seem like a strange answer to you? All these crowds, all of that emotion, everybody waiting to see him. And Jesus' response is, "Eh, let's go somewhere else. Let's go to a nearby village. And I'll preach there also, because that's why I've come. He didn't come to preach in a nearby village. He came for a different reason than establishing a huge ministry in Capernaum he came for the sins of the world to be the savior of the world he wasn't going to be distracted and so he says well let's just go somewhere else and so they do they go somewhere else he travels throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons until the time came for him to be the savior of the world our job is to wherever we are right now however God has led us to simply follow the passion and the call. Too many times we want to know what the big picture is, what our life's going to look like, uh, where God's leading us in the future. And God wants us to live in the present. God says, figure out your passion and your call right now through that time with me, and then passionately live it out. And if you're spending that time with me, I'm going to show you if it changes or if you be somewhere else or, or if it's a different type of ministry. But it starts with just living the passion and the call that I've given you today for today. Jesus knew that, and so he told the disciples, ah, let's just go somewhere else. So what have we seen today? And what have we seen that hopefully will be an encouragement to Josh? The first thing we see is that the foundation of passion is to love God and love people. The second thing that we've seen is that our passion and call is gonna be unique and individual to each one of us third thing we see is that passion and call is going to be reinforced and clarified through your time with God alone the next thing is that a lot of things will try to distract us and that we need to keep following our passion and our call I don't know if y'all knew this I mentioned it last week but a couple weeks ago there was a snowstorm that went through the entire south anybody know that again again yeah Again, I mentioned that because I was on the beach in Costa Rica and happened to miss it. Uh, But regardless, uh, this big snowstorm swept through the south. One of the places that hit the hardest was southern Mississippi. Southern Mississippi had a foot of snow and ice. Now, are you prepared for snow and ice in southern Mississippi? No, not at all. Nothing you can do about it at all if something like that suddenly shows up. But well, Ashante Cooley is passionate about helping senior adults and caring for them. She got a nursing degree, and the first thing she did is she got a job in a nursing home because she cares so much about helping and caring for seniors because of some of the things that's happened in her life. When the snowstorm came through and slammed that part of Mississippi, no one was able to get to the nursing home to go to work that day. And so they were calling everybody, trying to see if they could get to work, but the roads were impassable. She lives 25 miles from the nursing home on impassable roads and ice. And so she began to think, I've got to get there. These people are going to need somebody. I've got to do something. Now, if you live in southern Mississippi, one of the things you may have that other people don't have a lot is you've probably got a four-wheeler okay and so she got on her husband's four-wheeler and drove 25 miles in the snow and the ice to get to the nursing home that's Deshante right there that's her pulling up into the nursing home parking lot as she does everybody was stunned that was there uh, to see her when she pulled in and she was called a hero by the nursing home and the people that were there why did she do what she did because she was passionate about what she felt was her call and what she was supposed to be doing. God has given each of us a passion to love him and to love other people. The way you do that is going to be unique and individual to you, but when you do it, you'll be more fulfilled than you could ever imagine, and you will be a hero in the eyes of God. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for this time. We just pray that you help each of us to look at our life and Lord to t- through time with you to truly live out our passion each and every day in Jesus name Amen.
0: we hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you if you have prayer needs or want more information about us we invite you to stop by our website mywrbc.org and click on contact please use the word podcast in the subject line You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.